What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast, coming to you on Sunday, April 9th, 2023, at 10.15 p.m. Central Time. I want to take a moment of silence for this Mavericks season, which came to a very sad conclusion today. Let's all bow our heads and pray. R.I.P. Bozo. <laughs> Good riddance. I hope the pick I hope the pick falls and New York gets the pick. I hope Adam Silver strips the pick and gives it to them for tanking so brazenly. Oh my god. Whose voice are you pretending to be? I, I know it, but I can't. Michael Rappaport. <laughs> I love that Jay just knew it. <laughs> he was on he was on, I think, Ben and Skin That's right. this week. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, the Mavericks somehow managed to lose this uh, tankathon to the San Antonio Spurs today, 138 to 117. Quite impressive, honestly, um, and, and also embarrassing too. But I, I did not think that the Mavericks would be able to put forth uh, a lineup and an effort that could out-tank the Spurs, but credit to everyone <laughs> involved, and they managed to do it. I think the score at the end of the first quarter was like 40 to 12. Like, it was shocking. It was the biggest first quarter deficit that the Mavericks have faced in their entire franchise history. Um, and to make today's game even more historic, Theo Pinson, uh, who is our friend, had a triple-double in this game with 23 points and uh, some double-digit combination of rebounds and assists. I'm just looking right here. 13 rebounds and 12 assists to go along with 23 points for Theo Pinson in this game uh, and the Mavericks ended their season on a low note they finished the year 38 and 44 and given the results elsewhere in the league uh, notably with the Oklahoma City Thunder winning their game and then uh, the Chicago Bulls winning their game the Mavericks entered the draft lottery in sole possession of the 10th best odds which means that they have roughly an 80% chance of keeping their pick uh, that includes about a 14% chance of jumping up into the top four and I think a 3% chance of getting the number one overall pick. And of course, an 80% chance of keeping your pick means that you also have a 20% chance uh, of that pick falling outside of the top 10, which would of course mean that they would give it up to the New York Knicks, but I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, of course, the Mavericks are also being investigated by the league for abruptly shutting down pretty much everyone that's a good basketball player in their roster. We got a lot to talk about in this episode. Rohan Fazlvine, how's it going on this uh, sad day? Didn't watch the game today. Glad that the Mavs delivered. Uh, looked at the box score. Uh, glad glad Jaden Hardy had a good game. Theo Pinson, triple-double, cool. Uh, Davis Bertans having a great game was I'm glad we could stave that one off I was really that one that had me worried like are we gonna win this game yeah. is I he know. gonna give me more reason to fucking disdain his presence in a Mavericks jersey no thank god thank god um let's just hope the pick does not fall yeah um I didn't watch the game I, I pulled a Rohan but um uh yeah I, as far as what i i kept up with it on twitter so i heard a little bit about everything uh, theo had his triple double and zero turnovers apparently he was the fourth player in nba history to put up the stat line that he did 
So props to that, whatever what? the hell that means. Um, I will say that I heard that AJ Lawson had another good game today and I did watch the Chicago game. So I watched AJ show out there and, um, you know, if the Mavs retain him for next season and give him a role, like, that, Hey, that's one thing I'll genuinely no irony here. I'll, I'll be pleased about that. Um, I gotta say our boy, Bibbs, he was on to something with his fandom of AJ. Um, you know, I guess South Carolina and all, but yeah, that is good. Uh, as for the end of the season, I'm, I'm just glad we're here because I don't think I could stand to watch another Mavericks game. It would probably kill me for real. I'm glad I outlived this Mavericks season. Um, that's all I've got. <laughs> Still can't believe that this season turned into what it turned into. Like, like I understand it's been... Uh, two months of piss poor basketball. I think there were seven and twenty-five their last two months. I think that was the stat I saw today. And it's the fact that less than three hundred sixty-five days ago they were in the Western Conference Finals, and here we are, hoping that we keep our top ten protected pick in the NBA draft. Like what? What just? What was the season? I don't understand. I'm still like bewildered. All the words that you want to use that are synonyms for shocked. But here we are, season's over, um, and now we're just hopeful and praying on May 16th, which is draft lottery night. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it best. It's honestly not going to sink into me for at least another week, I think, that this season actually happened. I mean, I think there was a stat on the broadcast today that the Mavericks have lost 15 games this season. Uh, when they had a lead of 10 or more points, which is crazy to think because I think I tweeted this out also that, you know, if they had won even half of those games, so I guess even seven of those 15 games if they had won, they would have been in contention for a top four seed in the West this year because I believe Phoenix finished the season with 45 wins. So, I mean, you add seven wins on top of the Mavs, 38. Uh, that puts them at 45, which is, you know, right there with Phoenix. So, uh, definitely very unfortunate the way that things happened this year, and I think safe to say that we all are eager to move on and hopefully put it in the past. Nobody died, bro. Uh, it's just after those two Hornets losses. Actually, I, after the first one, I was just like, "There's no coming back from this. This season yep. is done." Like Dennis Smith Jr. is just chilling on what should be the worst team in the league, and they're destroying you. Like and there was no, there was no pride. It seemed like no in the game, at all, uh, and there were just too many games down the stretch of this season where that was the issue. And I hate that the national media, and not just national media, but like casual NBA fans, Twitter hypocrites, just people are are going like, "Hey, this is Kyrie's fault. Oh, this is Luca's fault. Luca's out of shape and all." Th nah, nah. This was Luca came into the season in shape. Uh, Luca came into the season destroying. Uh, people forget about that sixty point triple double with twenty one rebounds or whatever the hell. Um, that was this season. I know it feels like a season from hell, but there were moments. The issue is from the start of the season, there were moments that showed us that. This team is just going to lose a lot of games it should not be losing. In From reality. the very first game of the season. And it just kept happening. It kept Every loss was the same story. And by the time we 
by the time you lose to the Hornets down that stretch when the middle of the pack is so bunched up, I mean, pretty sure the seeding for the Western Conference took until today for, like, not the Thunder, but nine through, like, five were all going to be decided in the last day or two. That's yeah. insane. The Mavericks could have been a part of that. They should have been a part of that. They have two of the best players in the league. And the fact that they weren't, I mean, we've gone over this ad nauseum. It's roster construction. It's this, it's that, it's this. The pick, 80% chance is not good enough, okay? But we didn't want the Mavericks to be in this position. I don't think the Mavericks wanted to be in this position either. They decided too late, I think, that they should have been resting guys and losing games. Because as soon as Kyrie's there with plantar fasciitis and Luca has that thigh issue, I'm like, hey, you just have a reason to shut things down. And I understand they're competitors, but it's an organic reason, right? It's an organic reason. Run the young guys, let people develop on the bright in the bright lights in games that they don't need to win. Fine. It seems like they didn't really care if they won or lost earlier anyways. So some of this, if the Mavericks do fall into that 20% chance of like hell where they lose the pick, um, I can't even like, that's just what the Mavericks do, baby. Uh, and then obviously there's an 80% chance that the Mavericks keep the pick, but then what even is the probability that the Mavericks are going to not trade that pick and they're actually going to scout and select somebody who can actually help them? I would think it's a no-brainer. I think fan-made content like Richie from Mavs Draft shows us that they should be able to just outsource things um, or just like read the people who do this and their analysis and be able to select somebody that's a difference maker for them. It seems like there's a lot of difference makers there. But uh, there was a report out today, I don't remember who it was from, that the Mavericks are looking to trade the pick. Was that real? I think it was Mark Stein that reported that the Mavericks would look to, you know, use the pick as a trade asset to try and uh, get a veteran upgrade. I wouldn't mind that if it was like any tra- any trade you make, if it's the right trade, then I'm fine with. But like just There's going into the draft, the one guy, Miles Turner. That's it. Miles Turner is the only guy that I'm like, okay, yeah, that's yeah. You use that in a in a trade package, I'm fine. Almost anything other than that, John Collins, hell no. No, uh, no. Clint Capella, I uh, like him, and I understand why you would do that uh, if it was just Luca, no. not with Kyrie now, uh, and he's too old, and the contract is ridiculous. Uh, There's just too much there. The thing is, if you're at ten that. and Taylor Hendricks isn't gone by then, you have a guy that can just slot into that Dorian Finney-Smith role, play the power forward. It just gets you directly there. Um, you run to the table with the Taylor Hendricks pick if he's there. And the way that it's being talked about right now, I feel like he's not going to be there because of how valuable that type of archetype is in today's NBA with being a four, being a versatile defender, being a 40% three-point shooter, which he was at UCF, which college basketball is not translatable all the way to the NBA. But still, those skill sets, like that's what every NBA team is looking for. So yes, I agree with you on that with like, if the right player is there, make the pick. But like any trade that they do make, if they they shouldn't have this reset mindset of okay we don't have the top four pick let's trade the pick like if the right players there which i think we all are kind of in agreement in our novice draft knowledge that or hendrix is the right guy 
But if he's not there and they wanted to trade the pick, then like if they made the right trade, which the team has not done in the past, then I would be okay with if they made the right trade. But who knows if they're going to do that? Like, I don't know what names that they could do. I don't know if Miles Turner is a realistic option, for example. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a name that that comes up uh, in my mind too. But yeah, I mean, the Mavericks are in a unique position, as in they haven't really been in this position in a while. I mean, the last couple of times that they had lottery picks. Uh, 2017 and 2018, like they were actually looking to select a player and keep that player. This year, it's uh, less clear whether that's the case. I mean, I'm sure we'll find out a lot more about what prospects they like and which ones, uh, you know, which ones they're okay passing on. Um, but just knowing the Mavericks and, of course, knowing their goals, like I, I, I can totally believe that if the pick lands at 10, their first instinct is going to be to try and trade it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get anything. Pick. That's that's my issue. Sorry, Fossil, go ahead. I was just gonna make a joke. I was gonna say, hell, even if the pick ends up being number one, um, you're still gonna hear on draft day, the Dallas Mavericks have traded the rights of Victor Wembanyama to the Indiana Pacers for Miles Turner, Andrew Nembhard, and a 2032 first round pick. <laughs> I hate you because that's gonna actually happen. And <laughs> yeah. We need, we need to pay somebody to edit. You know the community like timeline thing where they like throw the dice. We just need that, but for the lottery yeah. odds for now. Yeah. And then we just have like the episodic chapter of like this is the world in which the Mavericks get women, yeah, and they inevitably trade it for some horrible package that is like they're actually getting fleeced in reality. Um, yeah, the tenth pick isn't going to get you Miles Turner. Um, and if you get the first pick. Draft Wembenyama and keep him. What is what is wrong with this team? Like you have I mean, this. I, look, I don't think they're going to trade the pick if they get in the top four, uh, especially if they get number one. I mean, I think the no brainers pick Wembenyama. There's not a single player in the league um, right now besides like maybe like Giannis or Embiid that I would be like, yeah, you know, trade the number one pick for because like I mean, who? Firstly, who's available? Secondly, they're probably old. And, you know, third, Wenbanyama is, is supposed to be a generational talent, so, like, why not? But we might be getting a little uh, too ahead of ourselves here, or sidetracked, you know? Yeah, this is kind of 2K fantasy world, but, like, if they got, like, the number two overall pick, and, like, that's the Scoot Henderson spot, but Scoot Henderson doesn't necessarily... I mean, he would be, like, a nice talent add on the Mavericks, but Scoot Henderson doesn't fit skill set-wise with Kyrie and Luka, so, like... I could be talked into like you get like a crazy package for him, which he's the type of player that I feel like you could get a crazy package for. I would be willing to do that, but I, like I also said, like we're good. getting a way a little bit ahead of ourselves with yeah all these all these yeah, little, yeah. all these little. Whatever I do want to complete that thought because I was thinking along the same lines very quickly. If the Mavericks do get number two, that's the one where because Scoot is currently projected to be like overall second guy. Um, I feel like you you might it depends on Toronto's interests, but you might be able to engage Toronto on some talks because I think he fits really well with what the future is going on over there. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how interested Toronto is in that. And obviously, that's a world that has like a three point five, three point six percent chance of happening. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, don't want to yeah. spend too much time on it. I do think like if you're the Mavericks and you're trying to trade your pick. Um, you should tr- you should be trying to get multiple players in return, yep. um, because because like you know, s- 
unloading whatever few picks we have left for the next seven years, which is pretty much the end of the decade, um, for like one player or like one star player and like a Markeith Morris type, right? I'm not sure how wise that is unless it's like a no-brainer deal. Uh, the Mavericks are in a position in which they need quality depth and, you know, star is great, but like I think as the Lakers have shown us this year, right, like getting those three, four guys that can play below your star players um, really makes a difference. And that's really, you know, I think if you look at the results the Mavs have had since the Kyrie Irving trade, that's been their number one problem is that they just lack depth across the board. I mean, they got the top level players, Luka and Kyrie. Beyond that, who are you trusting um, to go in and win you a game or make a big shot or make a big play? Jaden Hardy. That's pretty much it. So... Um, I add on the Lakers point real quick. Sure. Because it's not even necessarily like the players below LeBron and Anthony Davis that makes the Lakers like such a better team since the All-Star break. It's the fact that they're able to play bigger. And that's like a that's a skill set that the Mavericks just don't have. They can't play bigger. Like they're always forced to play small ball, sp- spread them all out and play like that. But they don't have like the size that the Lakers have. Like that's size is a way that you win in the nba like it's not the only way you win in the nba but it's definitely a way that you can a lot of games get a lot of dubs in the regular season to win games and Avericks like as currently constructed like javel mcgee is not that answer christian woods definitely not that answer with all due respect to penn stack uh so like they just gotta like find ways to like add to this roster and build some like size length not necessarily just win by scoring and they can't be so reliant on the three-point shot like that's how they're built right now and that's just like it's cool it's like it's a high value shot and all that but they gotta be able to find ways to like win in different ways and i think like you're mentioning with the lakers analogy like i want them to add size that's playable in a playoff series what was the year that andre iguodala won finals mvp 2015 yeah, I think ever yeah. since that year, there's been this move for like wings that can defend and defend and defend and. Obviously, there's three and D, but there's like p- people want small forwards slash shooting guards and power forwards. Just anybody from the two to four spot that can do three or four things. That's like very very valuable. Um, and it, the Mavs really depended on Dorian Finney-Smith for a lot for way too long. I don't want to like overvalue him as a player, but it was a case where the Mavericks depended on him to be the center of a defense that did not have great personnel in key positions around him. And without him, you saw that there was like, there was nobody that was taking it personally. I feel like that's because Dorian wasn't here, you know? So the Mavericks have an opportunity to either either trade for somebody that can give them some of that or to draft them and I feel like there are two guys in that top 10 Jarris Walker and uh and Taylor Hendricks who can fit that role um and they're two different beasts but you're fine if you jump up to three or four um as well as if you're at 10 um I wouldn't want to trade that that's the only asset I think you have for the immediate maybe two years that can get you like blue chip talent on a good contract everything else i feel like you're going to take on a contract or you're going to get a player that you don't necessarily want because the mavericks do not have enough first round picks to make a really good trade yeah yeah i mean that's true i i definitely hope that the mavericks and i mean they're obviously going to 
do their scouting homework. Um, I think, like you said, there are there are enough names in the top ten that that interest me to where like I'd be fine if the Mavericks do pick them. Um, I also understand that they do lack quality veterans, and perhaps that's the route that they want to go. But I don't think that should be necessarily what you do at all costs because you don't believe you can get a you know a good enough player at ten. I mean, as we've seen, uh, having you know, it, it's firstly very rare for the Ma- a team like the Mavericks to be in this kind of position, right? And so, like, even if you draft a player that maybe you don't necessarily love, but someone who has enough enough of a reputation or value around the league, then, I, you know, that we've seen it pay off uh, with teams doing that. Um, and it just helps to have, like, those young talents. I mean, like, look at the, the Warriors, for example, right? Like, they, you know, they had a pretty bad season in 2020 because of injuries. Uh, they were able to draft Wiseman, of course, that didn't work. Uh, but also in the process, like they got Moses Moody, Jonathan Kuminga. Like these are all young players that they haven't moved yet. But if the right deal comes around, like they'll definitely, uh, you know, they'll definitely be able to cash in on those guys. So I think, like, you know, the Mavericks could pick a ten uh, right now, and it could help them as soon as next year's trade deadline. So we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously the Mavericks have a lot of needs, whether it's veteran leadership, wing defenders, rim protectors. Um, and I think, you know, but obviously between now and June 20-whatever, whenever the draft is, there's probably going to be a lot more clarity on what where players are going in the draft order, but also like what players are available on the trade market and who might be interested in the Mavs pick. But obviously we got to get to the draft lottery and we got to make sure that they actually keep the pick. Can't believe, way, but can't believe sorry, we still ahead. have a month to go before that. It's, I, I'm so restless. It's a painful feeling to know that our entire fate rests on lottery balls. Um, yeah. Insane. Well, I mentioned this maybe in text message to y'all, but there's two huge variables with this Mavericks offseason that, I mean, with the Tim McMahon report that Luca might request a trade in 2024 if things don't go the way they should like there's two huge variables it's one the draft pick and keeping the draft pick and whatever it turns into and the second one is Kyrie Irving whatever he decides to do in July and the way the timing is out like Kyrie Irving's decision you're not going to know till till after the draft so like whatever you're doing with the draft pick whatever you're doing if you want to trade it if you want to take a pick with the draft pick whatever it is like you have to do that without knowing the knowledge that Kyrie Irving is for sure going to be a Maverick unless like he tells you beforehand that okay I'm going to come here I'm going to sign here but like more likely than not you're not going to know what Kyrie Irving's decision is going to be so I mean there's just like a whole there's those two huge variables with this Mavericks offseason and like I have no idea what Kyrie Irving's going to do it's just like stressful as a Mavericks fan and there's going to be a lot of anxious moments up until lottery night up until the draft and it's fun in like I guess some circumstances but man I think it's a little bit more stressful than that yeah um yeah I mean whatever temporary relief we're feeling right now with the season being over is quickly going to become anxiety again I'm sorry to say that but it's true um you mentioned a good point I think a good or a good transition point um, with regards to Kyrie and with regards to that Luca report. So, I mean, if you guys aren't familiar uh, at this point, like uh, yesterday, Tim McMahon published an article about, uh, you know, the, the Mavericks and their future. And basically one of the things in the article was that uh, 
I think people within the team fear that if they don't successfully recover from this season, that Luca could uh, potentially request a trade as soon as the summer of 2024, which is obviously next offseason, um, which is not surprising. I mean, especially when you consider how badly the season has gone and also uh, the type of talent that the Mavs have surrounded Luca with in his five-year career. It's not really been uh, anything serious, right? So it wasn't totally shocking to see that. It was definitely... Um, frustrating to know that you know we're on the clock so to speak but uh, today in exit interviews Luca I feel like made it a point to sort of refute that report and also kind of quell futures about or quell fears about his future in Dallas like he outright said that I'm happy here and there's nothing to worry about and also kind of had a back and forth with Tim McMahon about that article and he was like um you know, I saw a report that said I was going to request a trade, and it's funny because I don't even know that. So, I mean, I think Luca definitely went out of his way to address sort of the elephant in the room, uh, which I guess as a Mavs fan was good to see. Um, but obviously, there's still major questions uh, that remain that are not going to be answered probably until at least May 16th. Can't really worry too much about that. It's too far in the future, and I think Luca allayed those concerns in as cool of a way as he could. Um, I think he has faith. He also has influence, which is good. Um, I think Dirk is also at least present in title in the front office still, right? So, yeah, is he? Like, what's his position? I mean, his position is technically special advisor, but... You know, um, he, I may or may not have been at the Mavs facility That's why recently, asked. and I saw that he has an office there. So uh, I think, uh, I don't know how like involved he is, but I think whenever they do go to him for advice or his opinion, he's, you know, always going to be there to lend it. Yeah, I don't know if that office gets used much. Um, yeah, yeah. It, rightfully so, he deserves to be happily retired and raising his children. But, um, yeah, I think I think Luca seems fine with the front office. I think yeah, Jalen not being here sucks. I think that's maybe the thing that he seems annoyed about. But it's best not to dwell on the past. Um, Kyrie is here. You need to convince him to stay here. I think the annoying thing is you really don't know what he's thinking and what he's gonna do. Um, didn't talk to media today, and I've seen a lot of people bring that up as a concern. I get it. But seeing how things have been dramatized near the end of the season, would you want to subject yourself to the media, even though the Dallas media isn't as bad as other places he's been? I mean, look through Kyrie Irving's like media highlight slash low light reel. Um, a lot of it is filled with reporters asking very questionable things of him. Like there's the LeBron James father thing, for instance. Um... I don't know. Sometimes it feels like he's they're just traps set up. You know what I mean? Like people want to cause controversy and I get it. That's the game. But he has the right not to participate in the game, especially because he's getting a lot of blame for a Maverick season that was lost even before he was on the team. Uh, so I understand why why he's not there. Doesn't doesn't cause me. Well, does it cause me concern? Yes. Um unpredictable you don't know where he's going why but a sign and trade maybe i think that's possible 
especially if the team wants the five-year. No? No, Vinay? Is it not possible? I just want, I just want Kyrie here, bro. Like, no, I do too, so but to I want to plan for all player. eventualities. I think it'll work. No, I, I get that. Like, it would be naive to think like it's 100% he's going to stay in Dallas, but I, I want the dude here. I just want it to work out here. We made the trade not just for this tier, obviously, but for the for the factor that he was going to stay for the long term, Ben. I mean, I hope it, I hope it works out here. I really like the dude in this time here, especially, and like it's kind of all the media circus. Even like since he's been here, like from the national people that don't watch the Mavericks play on a day to day basis, and like the ridicule he gets, like unnecessarily, it's just like. I'm rooting for the guy, and like I hope it's here. But even if he goes elsewhere besides Phoenix, I'm not gonna root for him if he's in Phoenix. But if he goes like Miami, for example, like I'm rooting for the guy. Like I'm a Kyrie fan. I hope, like I said, I hope it's here. And see, signing trade, like you said, like it'll help us out assets wise to not completely lose out on the Dinwiddie Dorian 2029 first round pick and multiple second round picks, but. I'd rather have Kyrie Irving, and I think if you have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving with three other players that fit those two skill sets, then you're a title contender. I don't know why it didn't work better this year. I mean, I understand why it didn't work better, but like it should not have been this bad to where we're hoping for Taylor Hendricks in the tenth pick. But at the same time, like I think with those two guys, like you should be able to build a title contender, and I hope that's the case. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't want to jump in front of Jay here, but I do want to quickly say I love I mean as guys Dwight Powell um, and who who all are expiring contracts for the Mavs at the moment Jay? Uh, like their upcoming free agents. Yeah, I believe it's Kyrie, Markeith Morris, Frank Nilakina, Dwight Powell, Theo Pinson. Um. <clears throat> That might be it, I think. I might uh might be missing one. Reggie. But... No, Reggie is Frank. Still... Yeah, I said Frank. Reggie is still under contract for one more year. Hmm. Although it's Frank's partially playing on Bayern Munich next year. All right. <laughs> All right. Um yeah, I mean, I know you said veteran guys. The Mavericks are one of the oldest teams in the league still. Um there's a lot of young talent everywhere that plays substantial minutes. Uh what the Mavericks can't do right now that they need to be able to do, they can only get from young guys who are good athletes. And we see that because Josh Green and Jaden Hardy are being asked to do so much. I mean, Jaden Hardy didn't have a great shooting performance tonight, apparently. Um, but go back to that Jazz game. I mean, if you just balance it out, go back to even Kyrie's first game without Luka uh, against the Clippers. I was at that game, and I distinctly remember how easy it felt for the young players on the Mavs to play with Kyrie and that's a thing that when I talk to people who I know that are just Kyrie fans that have followed him through the league for years they were talking about how he was having an amazing year with the Nets young guys this year as well Um, it's something you want to keep him here for and I think trading the pick for anyone that isn't like explicitly okayed by Kyrie or like you know, fits in with the ideology of building this team together with Luca and Kyrie and playing a slightly different play style. 
I, I think it's an indication that Kyrie isn't a part of the long-term future. And that feels weird because it seems like Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd were hires for this move, right? So if you can't get him to stay, what is happening here? That's my anxiety because I've seen this not work out so many times as a Mavericks fan. We've all seen this not work out so many times. Um, yeah, it almost feels like... Uh... Whenever Mark Cuban says, you know, signing so and so is our first priority this offseason, it's like the kiss of death. But, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that's not the case this offseason. I mean, in Jason Kidd's uh, post game uh, conference today, he seemed pretty confident that Kyrie likes it here in Dallas. Um, and even Mark Cuban said as much that Kyrie has told him that he's happy here. Uh, they're all basically like he just wants peace and he seems to have found it here. But, you know, as much as I like Kyrie and I think that, you know, from his short time in Dallas, it's clear that a lot of what, he, um, you know, the national media said about him is not necessarily true. Um, you know, he's still unpredictable, right? We don't know. I mean, he's, he skipped exit interviews today and I'm not reading into that too much. I mean, it's obviously like a tiny bit concerning, but I do understand where he's coming from. I mean, he's been getting killed uh, by the national media really for no fault of his own. He's unfortunately an easy target. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure he just didn't want to deal with the questions about that stuff, the questions about his future, um, you know, questions about whether he was okay with the Mavericks' decision to tank these last two games. So uh, I get it, uh, but it's obviously still, you know, a little anxiety-inducing that we didn't get to hear from Kyrie uh, before the season ended and, and try to get a sense of what he's thinking about his future. I mean, if Luca didn't like throwing the last two games of the season... I sure doubt that Kyrie did either. Um, I will say that, I mean, I can't speak too much after everything you guys mentioned. I, we've been knowing all of this for a while, and it is almost looking like the same old story all over again. But, I mean, at least this time, Luca did say very, he made it very clear that he's part of the uh, effort to get Kyrie to resign in Dallas, um, that he's going to be doing that, that he's going to be recruiting him this season. And then he said that the relationship between them is good. So, um, you know, contrary to whatever your Twitter fingered people will tell you, and that also includes national media, I guess, it, it at least on that level, um, things seem to be less of a tire fire. I don't doubt that there was some locker room tension later on in the season, you know, winning cures everything and I'm sure losing impedes everything. Um, but I don't know if that was necessarily between the star players as much as it could have been other people such as Christian Wood. But again, I'm, I'm mostly speculating here. Um, I, I, I do think it's funny how like just a week or two ago, you know, we had that article come out that said, Hey, the national, um, contrary to like what everybody on Twitter and elsewhere outside of the team is saying about Jason Kidd and bashing him, you know, we got people, he hasn't lost the locker room and people in the locker room, they like him, people in the organization like him and they value him for what he brings and keeping this team together. And um, yeah, I'm sure we've forgotten all about that, but I mean, that's something that's been said, that's been reported. So I think that's something you should take into consideration, especially because it does look like kids going to be here for at least another little while, if not longer. 
Adjacent yeah. Kids Future. I mean, we're gonna probably discuss on a on a future podcast, but I mean, he's gonna be here to start the season, and we'll see from there. Um, on the Luca Kyrie dynamic that you brought up, the Luca Kyrie dynamic is not gonna be what it was in Cleveland with Kyrie Lebron. It's not gonna be what it was with Brooklyn and KD and Kyrie. Like KD Kyrie played two K together. Like Luca Kyrie are probably not doing that. Like it's a different dynamic. Like. Maybe there's some different stuff that Luca needs to learn as like being an NBA superstar and like simulating with all your teammates. And that's a fair criticism, I guess, but it's just gonna be a different dynamic. And like I don't think that I don't think they dislike each other. I don't buy all the national media, especially for Magastool Sports, about how Luca and Kyrie might not like each other, all that, but Yeah, like, I mean I that's not I the dynamic that I'm like, worried about on this team. Yeah. Definitely not. Sorry to cut you off. I mean, I definitely think that they're they're cool. I mean, in terms of like being teammates, uh, I agree with you uh, that Luca probably does need to make a little bit more of an effort to assimilate. I think with his teammates because you know I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, right? But when Kyrie was traded here, it did seem like he was pretty eager to get to know Luca a little bit better as a person, and and obviously like. I don't think you can ever expect them to have like a buddy buddy relationship because I mean Kyrie's seven years older than Luca. I mean that's like a pretty big age difference, right? Like, you know, Kyrie and Katie are around the same age. Uh, Kyrie and LeBron, um, you know, I guess I guess that age about seven years, about seven it's about years, seven right? years. Um, so I mean that's so yeah. LeBron's right. like thirty eight and he plays Madden. Like he's like a still a little kid, Let's, like okay, in the but, soul. Let, let's be real. The, the real difference here between Luca and Kyrie is Kyrie would never play Fortnite with Luca. Like that's what's happening, right? Like Luca is clearly of a younger age, right? He's 24. Um, he's of the generation that was just like playing Fortnite when they were just kids before they turned 18 or whatever. Uh, he's probably playing FIFA a lot. Like, does Kyrie play FIFA? I don't know. I'm sure Maxi and and Luca get on fine because of that, but like. You know, there there's like cultural touchstones that people have that like I guess Kyrie and Luca probably don't, which is why they're probably not like close friends, but I don't think they need to be, you know? They're kind of different people. You think Kyrie spends spends a lot of time playing NBA 2K in his in his spare time now? I don't know. Like I feel like he's very disillusioned with all of that. Maybe it's just his brand. I mean, I don't know. I mean, here, here, here's the thing, guys. You know, Luca, he doesn't, he doesn't have the exaggerated swagger that Kyrie and LeBron have. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Was weirdly racist, dude. That was very weirdly racist. <laughs> no, I mean, I think We're cutting that shit, right? <laughs> Hell no. There's no, no, no. no. I, I know, I know what Fossil means. I mean, it's a cultural thing, right? Like, and it. it you guys don't. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, you guys remember the? There's that one Spider-Man review um, of Miles Morales. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, the I'm game. The game. Familiar. It really, yeah, really yeah, makes yeah. gives you the gives you the feeling of like having the swagger of a young biracial black teen. Yes. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, now this will be cut because now we're not talking about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too go too deep on this because I mean, it 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 may not end up mattering, but uh yeah, I mean, we could probably save it for later on in the off season. I think 
ways in which Luca can develop like as a leader. And he's definitely has come a ways in that regard. Uh, but in addition to cutting down the complaining and things like that, I think there's things like this that he can really uh, benefit from learning, right? And I think that's probably a good place to leave that discussion at. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there any anything else we want to hit? Um, well, we had, a we had a couple things. Uh, this was, was a season from hell, and obviously the NBA is now investigating the Dallas Mavericks for uh, tanking. And I got to say, the outcry from like national media people has been bullshit. Like, Portland's been, been tanking for two weeks. Nobody's, nobody's drawing any ire from that. Nobody's like, they should be forced to trade Damian Lillard in the pick for and the pick should drop to the second round nobody's saying that like it's it's just people want a punching bag clearly and the mavericks were up last year and they're not up this year and people always want to punch on the person who failed expectations when they're deemed successful the weird thing with the mavericks is like they get talked about of having this chance at the postseason like they gave up on this chance at the postseason with Two games left, and the funny part is, like, even if they win these two games against Chicago and tonight or today versus San Antonio, like, wouldn't have made the play-in tournament anyways because <laughs> Oklahoma City won today with their C team team. The Grizzlies played their C team team, but like, if the Mavericks won on Thursday and Oklahoma City's going into today playing Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, and all the other guys, like, they would have trounced the Grizzlies C team team. So, like, this was all just fake outrage from the national media. It was all for naught. Like, as much as it sucks the Mavericks gave up on, like, 10% chance of making the plan, like, they unfortunately made the right decision in tanking. One that I never thought that they would do. I'd never thought that they would like get Luca and Kyrie to agree to this if they did agree to this, but it was one that was the right decision for the team because your chances of keeping your pick where you are now, as opposed to like if you won those games and you're the 11th spot and you have, I think it's like an 8% chance of keeping your pick. It's like, it's a huge difference from 80 to eight and it's yeah. absolutely worth it in a team building aspect to keep your pick with, Everything going on and what you need to do to build around Luca and hopefully Kyrie. Please, Kyrie, stay. Please, please, please. But it just is. It's just unfortunate. It's just what the reality of the situation is. They weren't going to go far with Luca and Kyrie, which is crazy to say. But the rest of the roster is like pathetic. It just is. It's pathetic. So and Jason Kidd actually said uh, as much today uh, when he was talking about how like you know a lot of the people will focus on the fact that the Luca and Kyrie partnership didn't yield good results but he was basically like there's other participants in that equation too <laughs> which basically is to say that the guys around them weren't good enough um yeah but yeah I I, I just want to quickly like address this too because I mean yeah you made a good point like there was a lot of fake outrage about the Mavericks decision to pull their starters before the Chicago game on Friday. Like a lot of pearl clutching, a lot of like virtue signaling, whatever word you want to use. Like uh, people suddenly like decided that the Mavericks invented this tanking strategy as if it hasn't been going on for the past decade, you know, as if teams haven't been doing it this entire season. And, you know, I don't understand. The Mavericks did this with two games remaining in the season. Two games remaining in the season. Portland's been doing it forever. The Utah Jazz did it like two nights before the Mavs decided to. Where's the outrage about that? I saw a tweet saying that, you know, 
people making excuses for the Mavericks intentionally losing explains a lot about society. What does it explain about society? Like, we're taking this way too far. The Mavericks made a business decision um, to maximize their chances of retaining one of their only usable assets for the rest of the decade. Like, let's, let's be clear here. If the play-in tournament did not exist, the Mavericks would not have a, sh- a chance in hell to make the playoffs. They're, they were competing for the 10th seed. Like, that's nothing to be proud of. They didn't and have also, control of their destiny. Jason Kidd yeah. said it two games ago. Like, and then let's, let's say the Mavericks did make the play-in, right? They would probably lose either the first game or if they were fortunate enough to win the first game and make it to the second game, they would lose. They wouldn't keep their draft pick, and they'd get clowned for that too. I mean, it's a really lose-lose situation for them. The same people criticizing them for tanking would be the ones, you know, criticizing them for being in this terrible position too. So the Mavs made a business decision and anyone who doesn't understand that, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Agreed. Uh, I think the obvious issue here, though, is that Jason Kidd pretty much said in a media interview that the organization told him to do that. And you don't do that. Like, just it's unspoken. It's why would you talk about the fact that you're tampering instead of just tampering? You know, it's the same philosophy. Like, you, you can't. That's what starts the investigation is when somebody has a media interview and they bring up the fact that it's an organizational decision. That shouldn't have happened. Um, that's a gigantic failure. And that's another reason why I'm very, very scared going into this offseason because everything has to go right. You have to maximize every asset you have. Every like You have to walk and chew gum at the same time. And I believe that Nico Harrison can do it. But if there's a lot of delegating going on, I don't know how much of that can actually feed through the decision-making hierarchy so that good decisions are made on every instance. Like, just there needs to be some decisiveness. And I, I think Kid is saying a lot of the right things now, but like, does that mean that or the organization as a whole and management has a good idea of where they want to go? I really don't know. It seems like they think that they should be getting older. And that doesn't make any sense to me, uh, really, because I don't, Listen, Dwight may be gone, but if I'm if my pessimism is right, he's gonna be back on a veteran's minimum contract or like maybe the Emily. I don't know. What like I don't know. Like I, I just my I am so broken by by the chain of bad Mavericks decisions that like I'm expecting the dumbest moves in the future. Yeah, there there's not much uh reason for confidence right now. I mean, even me, the perennial Mavericks front office optimist. Um, I definitely don't feel great about where things are right now, but I suppose like, you know, I have to trust the process, so to speak, right? Because otherwise, you know, I'll become like everyone else online, which is fine. No, nothing wrong with it. I just personally can't be that way. But um, I do think that the Mavericks understand that they are behind the curve with regards to the way that their team is built. I mean, Mark Cuban cited the, the take foul rule um, and pace uh, as the reasons for that, which, I mean, I think that was just him bullshitting uh, with a reason. Like, I think what he was trying to say without actually saying it is that uh, he's responsible for it because he didn't make changes uh, earlier. And those changes probably would have had to come with, you know, firing Donnie Nelson and 
Bob Volgaris from the front office, right? He didn't do that, and the Mavs had really committed to this singular team-building strategy of stationary shooters around Luka and playing this uh, moneyball style of basketball, which obviously now is not the way you win. And based on his comments, I think the Mavs are probably going to prioritize speed and athleticism to become a faster-paced team. Um, you know, whether or not they can actually execute on that vision, I'm not sure, but I do think that's probably what they're going for uh, this summer. Bro, even this season, to depend on Justin Holiday as much as we did down the stretch of a season where they could have ended up like the fifth seed if things have go- had gone really correctly is sad. It's just sad in hindsight. Everything in this season, every decision made by the organization makes me more anxious. And that's not a good thing. I mean, I'm trying to see things from your point of view, Jay. Like, I'm going to be real. I am. Like, I, I understand that you're like, you know, the company man in a sense. <laughs> um, and you just like tread the company line and it's fine. It's fine. I I understand it. I think that there's a middle ground. Really, I do. But I, I just... You trade the pick if it ends up 10. Who are you getting? Bojan? Like, that's not... It doesn't move the needle for you, brother. Like, I just don't... Who are you getting? It doesn't seem like there's anyone... Are you getting the... Are you getting Bogdan? Or are you getting Bogdan? Like, like that's not a good contract either. Like, who can you get with that that is a good contract? Like, the Mavericks have Tim Hardaway Jr. and Davis Bertans under contract, correct? Like, those are the two guys you would want to move because they have bigger contracts. Maybe Maxi Kleba, but I don't see that happening. So, let's say you find a way to salary dump Davis Bertans, right? Are you going to do that with the pick? You think that's going to get you something that's going to move the needle for you? Like, I don't think it, I don't think it will. Um, maybe Tim Hardaway, but like, will it really for a lottery team? Like maybe the, maybe the Blazers, dude, maybe. I don't know. There, there's a lot of permutations and combinations that we can go through. And I think, uh, we might have to save that for another episode. Because yeah. it's definitely a lot of brainstorming that that we that we've got to do. To see, I just like, don't. I just don't care about possibly. like what the national media or whoever says or like whatever they're like. Like you said, virtue signaling or like yeah. general like flagellation about things is. It's just like they need headlines. Whatever. Um, the season's over. Oh, this team. You got to focus on Hornets twice in a row when you needed every W you could. Like, what are we doing? This team wasn't going anywhere. And in a minor aspect, they lost to the Hawks and the Heat back-to-back. You didn't even split that. Like, what are you doing? This team wasn't going anywhere. They weren't winning two road games in the play-in tournament. It just is what it is. I'm the biggest optimist there is. But this Mavericks team was going nowhere, in spite of having two future Hall of Fame players. It just is what it is. The Mavericks did the right move. They tanked, got their have a better chance of keeping their draft pick. There's not even a guarantee they keep their draft pick. And knowing the Mavericks' luck, they're probably going to lose the draft pick in the 20% chance that it falls out of the top 10. And then you know what? Why about it? We're going to get clowned for Why it about again. It? So, we are. We're going to clown, yeah. for any, uh, clown for everything we do. We're going to get clowned if we lose Kyrie. We're going to get clowned if we side Kyrie to a max contract. It is what it is. Just enjoy being a Mavericks fan. It is what it is. It's fine. When we get Victor Wembayama, everyone keep the same energy. Hey. I'm, ready to become the, I'm ready to become the villain of the NBA, man. Like, 
It's been a long season, and by virtue of who we have in the organization, whether it's Mark Cuban, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, makes us an easy target for, you know, idiot, idiots to criticize us with stuff that doesn't make any sense. And we just got to take it on the chin until we can actually build a good team and win games. Uh, and then we'll be the villains and it'll be fine. Uh, but until then, like, it's, it's going to be a long season, off season. I, I had one of my Lakers fan friends uh, start texting me about how Kyrie's what ruined our season. And I was texting back reasonable, like, rational stuff. But I was with friends and I was a little, I don't know, inebriated. So I just sent him a voice message back and I said, because I saw this in a tweet earlier and it's true. His favorite franchise tanked with prime Kobe Bryant on it. Like, you should never talk to me about team building or shame in how your team does because I have never been there. Luca's 24. We're fine. You can build from this, right? This is not like... This is a bad, really, really bad season. This is a season from hell, but there's no reason that you can't do better next year. Clearly, like, I feel like this team can be well above 500 if they retain Kyrie and make a few smart decisions. And look, the, their luck in, in close games was bad this year. And I think just by nature of the law of averages, like, they're going to improve in that regard. Like, they're not going to lose these many close games next season. At least I hope not. I mean, statistically speaking, it's probably unlikely that they can lose like this again. So by virtue of that, you're getting at least four or five more wins right off the top. Just give me defense and rebounders. Get me two or three rebounders, brother. Like one big man, like draft a power forward. That's why I was saying Jairus Walker and uh, Taylor Hendricks because both of those guys can rebound the shit out of the ball at that four position and they're versatile defenders and they're versatile scorers. Like you need that at that position Um, and I don't think you're going to get better talent there. Obviously, we're not going to get too into the draft, but rebounders if even if the way you play changes i don't believe the mavericks will ever take less than like 63s a game i'm i'm that's not like a real number but like you know what i mean like they're always going to be a very high three-point shooting team with luka Doncic on it especially with kyrie irving on it i think analytically that's also a smart move but you need the personnel around them to grab the basketball you need to get offensive rebounds or at least be a threat to do it so that you don't lose games that you were down 23 and you came back in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter, like five games like that. And you just lost the free throw battle or whatever. Like you can't be losing games because Christian Wood isn't a referee's darling. You know what I mean? Like you can't let incidental shit. That's not a good team. Doesn't let that happen. So they can mitigate that this off season. That will be relatively easy. They just can't make a lateral move. And that's going to be tough because I feel like a lot of the moves they've made have been lateral moves. Although the Spencer trade was was good. Trading Porzingis, they, they did get a lot of good basketball out of that. So I will give... I want to disagree, I wanna disagree with that. I want to disagree with that real quickly. I think they make the Western Conference Finals with Spencer Dinwiddie as opposed to Kristaps Porzingis. But like this year specifically, I think they would have been better off with KP over... Dinwiddie and the arbitrage of a contract that Davis Bertanzas 
Shake your head all you want. No, dude, just dude we're just like, KP we're living in your imagination now because like KP was healthy not, in I'm Washington, not. right? But like he wasn't here. And the thing is, these games are more meaningful. That's fine. They are like, you, you can tell, you can be like, oh yeah, KP, but we're playing fantasy basketball there, brother. Like we played the experiment <laughs> and guess what? The Mavericks, the Mavericks hurt? did make a mistake with KP. They gave him a horrible fucking contract. And what do you yes, do I when you make that. a mistake? And you're like, hey, this isn't working out for me. You're like, hey, cut your losses. Get out of here. I think they did good. Okay. I just, frankly, I think they did good. Um, I think the Kyrie trade saved them from that being a horrible trade. But, like, the fact is, like, Bertans, in my opinion, is a worse contract than KP, who expires after this year, as opposed to Bertans, who you have 17 years, 17 million over the next two years. 17 years would be fucking horrible. 17 million over the next two years. But next year, Bertans isn't in your rotation, barring a trade that you do in the offseason. So what like, do you mean? He, like, he, like went, he went off today. Yeah, he was literally like the tank <laughs> okay, commander today, dude. Thank you for making my point. He almost ruined our tank today. <laughs> so, but besides the point, like, I don't know. I no, I, I get it. Listen, I'm on the same boat yeah, we with saying, you on like, Davis like Bertans, the imagination but like, like, let's not KP talk ourselves here. into three games if Kristaps Porzingis' season is worth it. Like, it was well, it working out. No, no, I just want to really, because like the closest example of a guy that was not able to play when the Mavs were competitive to KP was Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons, I think, played what? One series, maybe three games in the playoffs in a Mavericks uniform, despite the Mavs going to the playoffs, I think all three of those years. Um, Christoph Sporzingis did get he's some... only here two years. Okay, well, fine. He's fine. only here two years. Fine. Okay, I'm that's sorry, that's I'm a, sorry that's for a, that. But like, that's a really my, my point is, like, why like would I, as is... a Mavericks fan, seeing the contract that they gave him and seeing the contract that they had given Chandler Parsons oh. before him, be like, oh, yeah, no, keep him through the, through the injury stretch that he may never come back from and just hope that he can give you more than half a season next year. Like, was there ever a get? Was there a guarantee going into the season, Vinay, that you were going to get him for forty-one games? No. no. The answer is no. And so, because of that, trading that contract, because why are you paying him more than twenty million dollars a year if you don't if you don't get him for more than half oh, a I season? I get that, bro? but after this year, after this year, it's done. By the way, I was going to say it's objectively funny that Jay and Fazel were on their phone during us debating KP. That's <laughs> I just can't bring myself to. That's besides the point. No, I get that. I get that. It's my irrelevant. only thing is with K. My I, it is irrelevant. My only thing with the whole Dinwiddie Bertans trade for KP was I just don't think we won that trade general like, i don't I just, think I you were know. gonna ever win that trade with that contract it wasn't it wasn't a trade a winnable fair, trade like bertant is a bertant is one of the top five worst contracts in basketball considering he doesn't even make our rotation with how bad our roster is like he doesn't make our rotation like when we needed the games the last two months he didn't play unless it was like garbage time or like a desperation like hail mary okay jason get the room out there but davis bertans didn't like make the rotation and you have that guy for the next two years and at this point like going into this offseason like that's a guy that you need to attach a first round pick to get rid of hopefully i'm wrong but that's just what it looks like right now i feel like that KP part looked, liars, like the, KP's KP was one of the worst year. contracts in the league at the time of the trade that's the reason why they did this one but i mean i don't agree I, with I, that though at the, in 2022, I think KP was it's one two of the years worst left, as opposed to Davis Bertanza's four years. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Again, like it was a trade that the Mavericks split 
a huge contract that was untradeable into two smaller contracts that were e- at the time equally untradeable. And, and I'm not know, saying KP is this like he wasn't going to be like necessarily that good for us. Like I'm not this KP stand or whatever. But the whole point of this argument was like I just don't think like how it was marketed where we split the contract into two different contracts, like two bad contracts, if you will. Like I just don't agree with that. Like I think Barton's was a worse contract than KP's was. Like KP's expires this year. We have Davis Barton's for two more years. I, I see your I see your reasoning, more, but I just ten million for next year. I just want to say this conversation is very different. Tangent. This conversation is very different if if we keep KP and if he doesn't play or if he even plays the same amount as he did yes. this year in a, in a Wizards uniform. Maybe like it's a different conversation, but you don't live in in that reality when it's happening. You you're projecting into the future. And I can understand why that trade was like, you're never going to win. I understand why there was a sense of urgency to when they did it. Um, and they got to the Western Conference Finals without him. So it's like, let's not, I don't think, you know, no, like I, like I started the tangent, like I started the dumbass tangent with, they don't make the Western Conference Finals without making that trade. Dinwiddie was a huge factor in that trade. Like he helped us get to the Western Conference semifinals against phoenix and he helped us get past that in game seven because he was absolutely magnificent in game seven at phoenix fuck phoenix in the western conference finals so i agree with you on that but just like this year like i don't know it is what it is i don't it's think anyone was saving the mavs this season i don't think we should be blaming it on no, any I'm not of the saying individual guys no i know but like that's why i think you said it was a bad tangent but mavs intern go off our mavs film room intern go off um like oh, I get it, dude. Crazy. I get it. I get it. I like, I'm gonna log off. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. But yeah, no, dude. I get it. We all get it. It's just like that's not why. There's there's no point. There's no point to even thinking about it. It's a thought I mean, crime. Hold up. I will say though that obviously there's the financial reason that we were given about splitting the contracts. There's the potential fit reasons because KP was like he just didn't jive with Rick's system and then, or no, Rick didn't give him much of a chance because injuries took the life out of KP um, and his mobility while he was in Dallas for a good portion of his time here. And then I don't think Jason Kidd really messed with KP either. And then, um, you know, you, you could argue that Spencer and I'm not getting into fucking Bertans, but Spencer was a better fit than KP um but maybe the behind the scenes like chemistry issues prompted that trade because look kp spent several years with luca and they didn't hate each other i think at least as people by the end of their time together but in all that time they were never friends like never good friends and that was i think that was significant so you know um sometimes you got to do you got to make trades like this just because it's uh, it's better the it's better to just shake things up, you know. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's all I've got. He helped. End yeah, the I mean, Utah I don't think Jazz, the trade brother. itself was necessarily uh, asset drain like some of the other Mavs decisions have been, but the real mistake was giving KP that kind of contract and not maybe thinking a little bit harder about how he fits into the bigger picture. But again, we're talking about Kristaps Porzingis, who will soon have been on a team that existed two seasons ago. So uh, there's a lot to talk about 
the future, I think. But we've been rambling on for over an hour now, so I think it's a good place to conclude this. And I'll say this, uh, in the words of Aubrey Graham, when a good thing goes bad, it's not the end of the world, but it's, an, it's the end of a world. And the world didn't end today, but for the players on this roster, the world that was the 2022-23 season ended. And I think as all of us fans uh, will say, we're glad that it happened. And uh, hopefully this offseason is one that we can be excited about that renews our faith in the direction of this team. But I think uh, it's going to be a very anxious period. And I think we all don't have a ton of confidence right now. A draft pick can help you win a championship. Look at Golden State. That's the last thing I'll say. Also, this is going to be Vinay's last podcast with us. So thank you to him. But he's he's done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Who? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even hear what you said. I just heard last podcast with us. Hopefully, it wasn't about me. Uh, we're getting we're getting we're getting French Kristaps Porzingis in, with the first overall pick in yeah, the June draft. We we'd probably have to bring back Frank Nilakina to like uh, make him feel welcome. Then, oh, he's playing on Bayern Munich. I've already decided <laughs> that for him. All right, guys, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, appreciate all of your support this season uh, in following the Mavericks with us. Everyone who listened to our podcast, came in our spaces, you know, interacted with us on Twitter. Really do appreciate it, uh, and can't wait for this off season uh, to hopefully keep bringing you regular podcasts. I feel like we did that really well this year uh, and it wouldn't have been possible without your support. So I uh, can't say thank you enough and follow us on Twitter at Mavs Film Room if you haven't. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Please review us if you like what we talk about and we'll be back next week with another episode. A lot to talk about.